Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're following a developing story, this one out of Colleton County. It's 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. A double homicide involving a mother and son. Both deaths resulting from apparent gunshot wounds. In this town, nobody questioned the Murdochs for 100 years. You know, powerful people make powerful enemies. You commit a murder in the 14th Circuit, the odds of you going to death row are high. From the studios of WCIV ABC News 4 in Charleston, this is the podcast Unsolved South Carolina. Case file number one, the Murdochs. I didn't think it was a credible threat. If it was, I would have tried to do something or notified someone. But I guess, you know, maybe I made a mistake. The Murdoch family. To know them is to know where they hail from, what this family has meant to the low country of South Carolina. It does bring attention to the community, to the region at large, but for the wrong reasons. I promised to start this podcast off about an arson attempt at Alec Murdoch's home back in 2009. Now, police say a suspect named Michael David List was trying to set Alec Murdoch's house on fire. It was July 3rd, the day before Independence Day. Please leave your message for 407. Hi, I'm trying to reach Michael List. It's Ann Emerson. My number is 843 We're still working on that part of the story, but I want to tell you a little bit more about the Murdoch family first. To this day, their profiles, painted in oil, hang in the Hampton County Courthouse. The 14th Circuit, it's wide-reaching, too. Five counties covering 3,200 square miles. You know, 16 judicial circuits in, in South Carolina. I was just listening to ninth, which is Charleston and Berkeley counties. That's Charlie Condon. You met him in our first episode. And as a former prosecutor himself back in the day, he remembers the Murdochs well. And in the 14th, it's Buford, Hampton, Colleton, Allendale, and Jasper. The Murdoch legacy started with Hampton, South Carolina lawyer, Randolph Murdoch Sr. The Augusta Chronicle newspaper ran a feature to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Murdoch's law firm. According to the newspaper, Murdoch Sr. started as a one-man law outfit back in 1910. Murdoch never put up a sign outside his law office, and neither did his children or grandchildren. Everyone just knew where the Murdoch firm was. Now it's a three-story brick behemoth on a shady Mulberry Street in Hampton, built on a foundation of personal injury cases. Back in 1920, 10 years after hanging up the first shingle, Murdoch Sr. became the first person elected solicitor in the 14th Circuit. Now, a solicitor is South Carolina's version of a district attorney. When you're the solicitor, you carry incredible power 
because you're the one that calls cases to trial. That's Eric Bland. He's a South Carolina attorney who has a particular interest in the Murdoch legacy. At the moment, it's important to know Bland is suing Alec Murdoch on behalf of his clients, the sons of Gloria Satterfield. She's the Murdoch housekeeper who reportedly died from a trip and fall at the family home in 2018. We're going to devote much more time to that case later, but that's why we talked to Attorney Bland in the first place. And obviously, he's doing his homework on the Murdochs, too. You determine when, as a solicitor, when certain cases are going to get called the trial or certain judges are coming through and you want them to sentence a person, whether it's a more lenient judge that will sentence somebody to less time or a judge that will give somebody more time. That's tremendous power. But the patriarch, Randolph Sr., he met an awful twist of fate. Late one night in July 1940, Randolph Sr. was driving home from an all-night card game. He was killed instantly when his car was hit by a freight train. perhaps foreshadowing the future track his namesake law firm would follow to prominence. But even with Randolph gone, the Murdoch name gains steam. His son, Randolph Jr., nicknamed Buster, goes into law. Buster was elected to take over his dad's job as solicitor the same year his father died. He was good at his job. State records show Buster won 90% of his cases. He uh, was a larger person. Uh, not particularly tall, balding, and he had a reputation for chewing tobacco. And I I didn't see him actually in court doing this, but my understanding is he would would chew and would spit in the courtroom. I know at the meetings he would, he'd have a a little cup, I think typically a styrofoam coffee cup. (laughs) I can remember being at meetings that he'd be. And so I think that may say it all in a way. Buster would go on to hold his position longer than any other elected prosecutor in U.S. history. Well, except for a short interlude, here's producer Drew Tripp with more on that. Buster found himself on the other side of the law in 1956. He was indicted that year on a conspiracy charge tied to a ring of bootleggers across Hampton and Colleton counties. Murdoch had to resign for a few months while that case was being tried in federal court. Nearly two dozen other people were charged as well. One was the Colleton County Sheriff at the time, who ultimately was sentenced to seven years in prison for his role in it. Others included local magistrates in Hampton County. In total, 18 out of 23 people who were charged were ultimately found guilty. Buster Murdoch wasn't one of them, but his acquittal wasn't exactly an exoneration. Uh, November 1956 bulletin by the U.S. Justice Department shows the federal judge who tried that case was harshly critical of Murdoch. Judge said it seemed the defense's entire goal was to protect Buster at all costs, even if it meant sacrificing other defendants. The judge accused Murdoch in the defense of witness tampering, coercion, corruption. The judge even said if it were him, he'd be too ashamed to go back to Hampton and face the people there after everything that came out in the trial, much less go back and resume his role as a solicitor. But that scandal didn't derail Buster's career. He ran unopposed in the 1957 election and, of course, won. He remained solicitor another 30 years until he retired in 1986. When you think of the Murdoch family, do you think of them in a... uh, What adjectives come to mind as far as their ability to prosecute cases and... Very tough on, on violent criminals. That's my image. You commit a murder in the 14th Circuit, the odds of you going to death row are high. That was my view of, of, of what they did, and I think the track record 
shows that to be the case. They were they were tough prosecutors on violent crime. As soon as Buster stepped down, Randolph III stepped in. A third generation of Murdoch became the solicitor. That would be his job for 20 more years until he retired to private practice for the family law firm, and that was in 2005. When you have a succession from a grandfather to a father to a son of of holding on to that solicitor's office, that creates tremendous power. Two sons, Alec and Randy, would follow him into the legal profession. And then you have the largest law firm in that county, and you get all the major cases, and then you, you combine that with the relationships that they have knowing jurors. They, they're friends with jurors. It, it, it's a recipe for um, an exploitation of justice. But the firm's successful personal injury verdicts do rake in tens of millions of dollars. From a civil standpoint, that law firm other than Motley Rice, is probably the most successful plaintiff's law firm in our state. And every lawyer in our state knows that if you're going to go to Hampton County, you better associate that law firm because they know all the jurors. They know all the law enforcement officers. They know the court personnel. And a defense attorney doesn't want their client to get tried in front of a Hampton County jury because they will get knocked with a big verdict. The firm is particularly well-known for their large verdicts awarded going after CSX and other railroad lines. Now, CSX can trace its history back to the long-gone Charleston and Western Carolina Railway, the same company whose train hit and killed Randolph Murdoch back in 1940. Now, according to Bland, state laws were eventually changed because of the way firms like the Murdochs used them to their advantage in railroad cases. The venue laws were changed in 2007 because of that law firm. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but what happened is before 2007, if there was a train accident in South Carolina, let's say in Greenville, and somebody got run over by a train or a train derailed and dropped hazardous chemicals, you could sue in Hampton County because there were train tracks in Hampton County. The CSX railroads had train tracks. Just about the time those state laws changed, the Murdoch's time presiding over the 14th Circuit had come to an end. Randolph III retires in 2006. Alec nor Randy would run for the office their elders held. Instead, Alec chose to be a part-time prosecutor for the circuit, working with his dad, Randolph III, on cases. What other county or what other state permits somebody to be a prosecutor anytime he wants and at the same time be a private attorney suing people. And so Alec Murdoch, even though Duffy Stone was the prosecutor, is the prosecutor in that county, Alec Murdoch goes in and says, I want to be the prosecutor on this case, and he can. It's unheard of in modern times. Alec largely avoided the spotlight until very recently. What was your reaction when you heard what happened to in this in this double murder and all of this? What what do you how do we sort of process this? I personally found it just horrifying. I knew that Randy died shortly thereafter, is my understanding, and so you had this family tragedy playing out here. Randolph Murdoch III, Alex's father, he dies three days after the brutal murder of Maggie and Paul. A source with knowledge of the circumstances said the 81-year-old had been suffering from a long-term illness. This is Alec Murdoch. I need the police to pass this immediately. My wife and child just got badly. 
watch this sort of puzzle come together. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know who killed these four oh, people. Oh, yeah. We don't know, like, you know, why they did it. I mean, it right. could have been, like you said, they put a lot of people away at death row. I oh, mean, he had a lot of enemies just by basis of what he did for a living as a prosecutor, I would think. No question. I mean, the number of people in that circuit that may have ill feelings because of, of so-and-so being in jail or death row, it, it would be hundreds of people. Hundreds of potential Murdoch enemies just by the nature of the prosecutor's job. So says Condon, a prosecutor himself. Enemies that could be dangerous enough to harm Paul and Maggie? I don't know of anybody no. that, would truly, that would truly be an enemy. That's Alex's brother, Randy, a few weeks after the double murder. And we're hurting just like they would be hurting if this had happened to them. What do we know of Maggie and Alec Murdoch's life together before the murders? We know they've been married for 27 years. They married two years after college at University of South Carolina. That's in the state capital of Columbia, where Maggie was a KD, the Kappa Delta sorority. And one year before Alec would be accepted as a member of the South Carolina Bar at 24. First came Son Buster in 1996, and then in 1999, their second son, Paul, was born. The family settled into a house in Hampton, and that also happens to be the house that police say Michael List tried to set fire to in 2009. According to police reports, no one was at home that July day. List was a handyman who'd been doing some renovations. He found a burned doormat and called the Murdochs. He also reported an open door, and there were questions over whether the security system had been disabled. Investigators found an accelerant, some type of fuel, had been sprayed on all three floors of the home, on the walls, the beds, furniture, and also on the front and back porches. There were several rifles on a bed. Those two were doused in an accelerant. List was arrested for arson, second degree. But four years later, in 2013, the solicitor's office decided not to prosecute the case. We don't know why. We're trying to find out. According to our own Facebook page, Maggie was living on Edisto Island. That's where the family's beach house was. That move in 2020 appears to coincide with the Murdochs selling the family home in Hampton. Now, remember, we told you last week that People magazine reported Maggie was meeting with a divorce attorney before she was murdered. You know, uh, uh, the journalistic source here uh, on one story was a, 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 a magazine whose claim to fame is they have once a year they name the sexiest man in the world, made a claim that, uh, that uh, uh, Maggie uh, had gone to a domestic lawyer. That's Dick Harputlian, Alec Murdoch's lawyer, who came forward just on October 15th of this year to refute these claims. Not true, uh, according to unnamed sources. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And the reason I'm here is Alec wants to set the record straight. Normally we would wait and do this in a court of law, but we're doing it because people, there's just these these hysterical uh, theories out there and we want to go ahead and address them. On the contrary, Harputlian claims the Murdochs, they were a loving family. I represented Paul, the son, when he was accused in this boat uh, homicide. I spent months, almost a year and a half, with Alec, Paul, and Maggie. All I saw was domestic tranquility, love, and affection. Court documents in 2021 show that the Murdochs had three homes, a beach house, a hunting estate, and one on an island. Maggie and Paul died at that hunting estate off of Moselle Road in Islandton. It's rural. The glimpse reporters had of the property included a row of tractors under a shed and a long road 
That's the property Alec Murdoch listed as his residence on court papers. I don't know what what happened, you know. Now, you met Julie Ayers in the first episode. I wanted to bring her back because she knew the Murdochs. They were customers, town folk. She runs a flower shop and basically grew up with the Murdoch clan in her small sphere. The shop is aptly named Julie's Flower Patch, and the shop's namesake is behind the wood counter working hard. I've known the family all of my life. Tell me about Hampton. What kind of town is it? Hampton is a close-knit community where, you know, we pray for each other when things are going on, and even if you don't even know the people that it's going on with, you know, you still pray for them and, and wish and hope them the best. This is how Maggie was described in her obituary. She had a heart of pure generosity and loved welcoming friends and family into her home on any given occasion. She adored her family and cherished spending time on the boat with her two sons. She will be remembered as a second mom to her son's many friends. She made the most out of every situation and lived each and every day to the fullest. He was like the person who would come in into here and that you would have any interaction with um, or in your life? Well, Maggie, you know, had called and ordered several things from me and she was just, you know, I, I knew her before that, but um, she was just really down to earth and, and very friendly, kind, nice, you know, thoughtful that she would send flowers out. You know, she was a very, I saw her as having a very giving and loving spirit. Alex's brother, Randy, echoed Julie's sentiment. And she was the rock of their family. Maggie's Facebook page is still open months after she died. The photos spin a narrative filled with smiling faces, kids' sporting events, college tailgates. It's full of wedding parties, debutante parties, and hunting parties at the lodge. It's a small town, and but it's got some big figures in it for sure. You know, it's pretty slow, I think, and, um, you know. Did you go to high school here? Yes, I did. Where'd you go? Wade Hampton. That's the main high school? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wade Hampton High School. That's where the young Buster went to school. It's also the alma mater of a young man, Stephen Smith, who died mysteriously in 2015. We told you about him. Found in the middle of a country road at the time, it was ruled as a hit and run. I told Stephanie, I said, um, you're going to hear all kind of rumors, you know, just because Stephen was gay. I said, but I don't see any reason why they would, any reason they would have to, you know, harm Stephen. But then later on, it just kept coming up, Murdoch's, Murdoch's, Murdoch's. Two weeks after Paul and Maggie's death, the state law enforcement division called SLED opened an investigation into the death of Stephen Smith based upon information gathered during the course of the double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. SLED has not said what that information is yet. This is how Paul was described in his obituary. Paul grew up with a love for the outdoors and particularly enjoyed hunting at their lodge in Moselle with his father, Alec, and his brother, Buster. Paul never met a stranger and had an abundance of friends. He was always eager to lend a helping hand to anyone in need. No one was more loving and genuine than Paul, and because of this, his personality was one of a kind. But at the time of his death, Paul was facing multiple felony charges for boating under the influence causing death and two counts of boating under the influence causing great bodily injury, 
after that boat crash in 2019, the crash that killed Mallory Beach. Mallory's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Murdochs. The one thing they want is accountability. And they're particularly offended that um, if it happened, if, if people tried to cover up what happened, they're, they're incredibly offended and they want that out. Because it shouldn't be that way. Mediation efforts with the beaches failed. And it appeared that Paul's case was going to trial. That's just three days before the double murders of Paul and Maggie. Okay, and did you hear anything or did you come home and find them? No, I've been gone. I, I just came back. And as of this episode, Alec Murdoch is still a person of interest in the murders, according to his own lawyer. He denies any involvement, any knowledge. He found them. And the most important thing is this. When, when the police show up and they find a dead wife and a dead son and the husband finds them, you know, most times it's going to turn out to be that the husband was involved. And that, unfortunately, is the assumption SLED made that night and a number of missteps since then in investigating the case because they keep trying to pound that square peg into the round hole. Somebody out there is responsible for the death, uh, the horrible, almost execution-style deaths of Maggie and Paul. What were they like? What, what was the Murdoch family like? You know, I've done flowers, some flowers and stuff for the family, and, um, and I mean, they're just normal people, you know, um, good people, you know, they've always... Um, had, I don't know, they've just always been nice to everyone. And, you know, I know my brother played football with some of, um, you know, like Alec and um, Randy and those. And anyway, just normal people, you know. Alec's brothers, Randy and John, told ABC News that 25-year-old Buster was not at home when his mother and brother were killed at the hunting lodge. And Randy says Alec was too distraught to call him after the double murder. The way the brothers came to Alex's aid speaks to how close this family really is. Let's go back to the night of the murders. Thanks to an exclusive interview that ABC News' Eva Pilgrim did with Alex's brothers, we have a firsthand account of what transpired on that rainy summer evening off of Moselle Road. You said 4147 Moselle Road in Allerton? Yes, sir. 4147 okay. Moselle Road. Stay on the line with me, okay? Hurry. Yes, sir. Stay on the line with me, okay? Here's what they told her. When Alec came home from the hunting lodge on June 7th, he was the one who found Paul and Maggie. Ma'am, I'm going to call. I, I need to call some of my family. Okay. Alec called his brothers to help. His voice, the fear. He was just distraught. Randy says he was the closest to the lodge, just a few minutes down the road in Hampton. He says he arrived in about 15 minutes. I could see the white sheets. Both mother and son shot multiple times, lying near the dog kennels. According to Randy, those kennels are about a quarter of a mile from the lodge. That's about a two-minute hike. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground out at my kennel. I still couldn't believe it could be them. Or that it could be true. Okay. I don't want you to touch them at all, okay? I don't, I don't know if you've already touched them, but I don't, I don't want you to touch them just in case they can get any kind of evidence, okay? Uh, I, I already touched them trying to get a, um, to see if they were breathing. Randy says Alec was standing off a bit from the bodies. He describes his brother as in disbelief, crying, not able to talk. 
Alex's brother John, he says it took him another 30 minutes to arrive. I got a call from, from Alec Monday night. And as soon as I answered the phone, I knew something was wrong. Oh, man. He just told me, he said, come as fast as you can. Paul and Maggie have been hurt. John and Randy say they stayed with their brother Alec at that gruesome crime scene for hours until they could convince him to leave. My brother loved Maggie, loved Paul, like nothing else on this earth. John says Alec did not want to leave Paul and Maggie. He's upright and looks strong and making his way, and then then he just breaks down and just, I mean, it's tough for us. And that takes us back to Buster, Alec's oldest and now only living son, who's a couple of hours away in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Randy says he ended up being the one to tell Buster what had happened. I just can't imagine what's going through his mind. His mom and his brother were just killed. It's just, it's just hard to imagine somebody could be so sick as to do this. And here's a really interesting part, too. Right after the double murder, state law enforcement said that the close-knit community there had nothing to fear. Law enforcement knew something about these killings. If it's connected to dad, I think we're going to see this solved quickly. If it's not connected to dad in any way, we may be back at, you know, at, at point one again. But remember, when the, the son and the, 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 the wife were shot, the police came out and said to the community, you don't need to worry. Um, clearly, they knew that this was a targeted shooting. They were telling people in the community, you know, you don't need to be concerned, etc. So that right there tells you they knew something about it, at least enough to be convinced that this wasn't some random mm. killing. All right, a new update on the reward for information on the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch. That reward is now $100,000. And a $100,000 reward for information, money put up by Buster and Alec Murdoch, that reward expired with no suspect in September. And after more than four months, no one has been arrested for that double murder. Do you feel like you're going to be able to weather the storm? Oh, yeah, we'll pull together and... Um, you know, I just, I hope everything turns out for the best, but, you know, we'll go on. But right now, that storm just turned into a cat five for the low country. Intense media speculation as law enforcement widens its investigations into Alec as well. There is another bond hearing, this one for the man authorities say Murdoch asked to kill him. According to SLED, Alec Murdoch actually asked 61-year-old Curtis Edward Smith to kill him. That's so that Murdoch's son could cash in on his $10 million life insurance policy. Tell me your name and tell me how you like people. To My name's Curtis Edward Smith. Uh, everybody knows me called me Eddie. Unsolved South Carolina was brought to you by me, Ann Emerson along with producer Drew Trupp and editor Daniel Michener. Original music by Maxwell Harrison. Coming up next week, we're going to take a closer look at Alec Murdoch's alleged opioid addiction. And then there's his friend Eddie. I consider him one of my best friends. He's like a brother to me. Yeah, I say he's like a brother to me. I'd have done anything in the world for him, almost anyway.
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.